Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our series on 1 Peter, and Peter is writing uh, to people in what's called Asia Minor. We call it modern-day Turkey today. And these are people who are facing a large amount of persecution and suffering. And so the theme for today is, is going to be suffering. It's a theme I've, I've practiced well for because I did sports camp this entire week. I pulled my calf muscle on Tuesday, um, trying to keep up with the kids. And then on Friday, when I figured I was going to write my sermon, I got the stomach flu on Friday. Which is why I've been doing this with everybody all day. So you're all good. I haven't touched anything today. I'm just doing this, all right? It's like, bye-bye. <laughs> Um, but to get us started, I'm going to talk about a quote from Paul Brand. Paul Brand was a missionary doctor in India in the 1940s through 1960s. And he's credited with doing a lot of work on uh, leprosy patients. And what Brand found out was that a lot of times these patients who had leprosy were not only being injured because of the disease, but they were injuring themselves because leprosy was, was killing their nerve endings in their hands and feet. And they would do things to themselves and not even realize they were injuring themselves. Uh, they would reach into a fire and grab something hot and just pull it out because it didn't hurt them at all. And through that experience, Paul Brandt wrote a book called The Gift of Pain. It's a little counterintuitive, huh? The Gift of Pain. In his book, he wrote this. I have come to see that pain and pleasure come to us not as opposites, but as Siamese twins, strangely joined and intertwined. Nearly all my memories of acute happiness, in fact, involve some element of pain or struggle. When we were meeting with the kids at sports camp, one of the questions we had for them was, what is the happiest day you remember? And then they're sharing some stuff. It was, it was fun to hear their answers. And they, then they asked me, which was kind of cool. They're like, well, what's your happiest day ever? I said, you know what? My, I have three happy days. And those three happy days are those days my, my kids were born. Those are my three happiest days. And as I read this quote, I went, you know what? It was a great day for me. But it came at great cost to someone else. <laughs> and all my memories of acute happiness that came with pain and struggle. Maybe not for me, but for someone that did. And those are the best gifts. The gifts that come with the most sacrifice. And those are the times when we get the best learnings, the best growth, because they come at great cost. And so we're going to discuss a couple reasons today why we can keep on rejoicing when suffering comes. First is this. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. So Peter encourages his readers to see all fiery ordeals in life as part of a testing and growing process and experience of faith. It's part of God's plan. But as soon as I say those words, I get anxious because those words have been misused so many times in so many bad ways. My cousin, I was telling me uh, some months ago about how uh, it was after his, his older sister's funeral. So my cousin, he, he lost his mom and then his dad 
and his older sister span of five years. And after his older sister's funeral, someone came up to him, and some well-meaning person, but very, very foolish, and said to him, with, their, with arm around his shoulder, said, you know, it's just part of God's plan. And my cousin wanted to beg What kind of God is that? Have you been on the receiving end of one of those before? Someone said to you, oh, you know, that's part of God's plan. They, they try to be comforting, it makes things worse. Because the only thing you can think of is what kind of God would do that? What kind of plan is that? That's why I'm so thankful for Jesus' time with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Jesus was up north ministering and preaching and teaching, and he got word that his good friend Lazarus was sick. And instead of heading down right away to go and heal Lazarus, he stayed and waited, and Lazarus died. Jesus comes down to the Jerusalem area. It's Bethany, about seven miles um, east of Jerusalem. And he sees Mary and Martha, and they both say to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus goes to the tomb. And he sees all the people there weeping and mourning. And he sees the tomb of his good, good friend Lazarus. And Jesus says to the crowd, assemble them. It's all part of my plan. Right? No, he doesn't say that at all. Instead, we get the shortest verse in the Bible. It says this. Jesus wept. And um, nearly every translation has those words. Jesus wept. They could have put down Jesus cried, which would be a fair translation. It would accurately, you know, it'd be fair. But if you got the word Jesus cried, you might assume that he cried a, he cried a few tears. But the Greek is more explicit. Jesus wept. And I believe Jesus weeps in front of Lazarus' tomb. Even though he knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead, he weeps because death and evil and sickness and disease and suffering are not part of God's plan for you. Not in the way if you think of plan as a step by step by step by step. But here's the beautiful thing about God. He takes this broken world, this broken world, this fallen world, and he takes evil and he turns it into good. And he takes death and he turns it into life. And he takes sickness and turns it into health. It is the great reversal. And that all things are changed. And because of the resurrection, even death itself is reversed. Jesus takes our suffering. And he makes it good. And in the process, he will take your suffering. And by his grace, and by just resting in him, he grows you through it. It's not fun. It's not easy. It's the only way we grow. And so when I think of God's plan, I don't like to think of it as a step-by-step-by-step. By step by step. Sometimes God has a plan for your life like that. 
Sometimes he does. Sometimes God meets you like Moses with a burning bush. Sometimes God takes a two-by-four and goes, go this way, right? Sometimes God does that. But sometimes God's plan for your life is much more general. Jesus said to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Bye-bye. It's a plan. It's not very specific, is it? It's pretty broad. And so I prefer to speak of God having a purpose for your life. Sometimes he's a set, rigid plan. And sometimes he just has a general sending. But in all things, both good and evil, both blessing and curse, God can do his work because of the resurrection. Because he is the God of the great person. The second part is this. Suffering is a reminder of Jesus' love. It's another great thing about suffering and pain. It's a reminder of how much Jesus loves you. I remember when I was uh, in college, I had that wonderful experience of having my all four wisdom teeth removed. Have you done that? Yeah, that was, that was a good week, wasn't it, right? Had all four removed, had some complications pop up after the surgery, and I was one sick puppy. I was just miserable. And I remember lying on the couch, watching something on TV to try to take my mind off how badly I was feeling. My dad, he, he sat down next to me. He, he kind of crushed my head. He said, son, if I could take this pain away from you, I would. I remember thinking, Dad, if you could take this pain away from me, I would let you. <laughs> I would feel slightly guilty about it, but I would let you because I feel horrible right now. And what my dad couldn't do, Jesus does for you. If the empty tomb and the resurrection is the great reversal, then the cross is the great exchange. And on the cross, Jesus Christ died for your sin. He gives, he exchanges your, his righteousness for your sin. He exchanges his perfection for your imperfection. He exchanges uh, his death for your life. It's the great exchange. And the beautiful thing about that is when you're going through hard times, when you're going through suffering, you know that whatever you go through, Jesus has already gone through it. And he did it for you. Are you homeless? Pretty short on funds? Jesus has been there. Abandoned by friends? Jesus has been there. You're experiencing some really painful disease or a horrible thing. Jesus experienced pain and suffering. Wrongly accused, beaten, put to death. He didn't have to do it. But he did it for you. 
so that you wouldn't have to go through that ultimate torture and punishment. He takes it all. It's the great exchange. It's the most loving thing anyone's ever done for you. The prophet Isaiah prophesied about this 700 years before Jesus in Isaiah 53. He wrote these great words. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It's a great exchange. And the third gift of suffering is testimony. It's testimony. When I was growing up, um, Pastor Pastor Killian, and he had a, a big influence on my life. Uh, he only worked part time at the church that our family attended because he had so many health issues, and part time was about all he could do. But he preached the love and grace of Jesus more beautifully than I've ever heard in my entire life. And I'm convinced he did it because he had so much suffering and sickness in his life. I remember we were leaving church one Sunday and my dad said to him, hey, how you doing? And Pastor Killian said, compared to what? Because <laughs> some days were good and some days weren't so good. And he died at a fairly young age. He had a couple kids in college one kid out of college and he died. And lots of people came to the funeral and the moralist service at the church. At the end of the service, um, the family went to the front and grabbed the flowers that people had put up front. They grabbed the flowers and they walked out to the back. And as people left the service, the family handed out flowers to everyone who came to the service. And the service was about an hour long and it took an hour to get out of that church. <laughs> because the wife spent so much time comforting all the people who came to the service. And their suffering was testimony. The power and grace and courage of Jesus Christ. We pray for, for good health. We, we pray for God's providing. We pray for blessings. As, as well we should. And Jesus invites to pray for all those good things in your life. And we pray... Give us this day our daily bread, right? It's all that stuff we need for life. Jesus wants you to pray for those things. But the people God uses to really make an impact on the world are not the blessed, but the broken. It's the testimony of the broken who really know Jesus, his grace, and his power. It's the broken who know what forgiveness really looks like. It's the broken who really knows what it means to trust Jesus. It's the broken who pray earnestly for daily bread and for healing. At the same time, long for that great day when they will hurt and cry and suffer no more. We're going to have a closing song here. Go ahead and flip to the first, first page of the closing song. Go ahead and hit, hit the button. God sent his son to call Jesus. 
You can't love and feel and forgive. You blame die by my pardon. Next, next slide there. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. And because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. And life is worth living just because he lives. And that's the key. Because Jesus Christ died and rose, the great reversal is in effect for you. Because Jesus Christ died and rose, the great exchange is yours. Because he lives, it makes our suffering struggles in this life refined and have purpose and meaning. One day, reversed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, we pray those words. The great book, Lord of the Rings. We long for that day when, when everything bad will become undone. We long for your full and complete victory over sin and death and evil. Until that day, Lord God, we ask that you would redeem our suffering. Lord, that we would that we would suffer well. They would not waste our suffering, Lord God. But that we would use it to rest more in you. To grow more appreciation of what you've done for us and your suffering for us. And Lord God, to increase the power of our testimony, our standing stoneness of what you have done because you live. Thank you, Jesus.